This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. Here are the nominees for Best Picture. So here are the nominees for Best Picture. Uh, The nominees for the Best Picture of the Year are... Here are the nominees for Best Picture. The nominees for Best Motion Picture are... The nominees for the Best Picture of the Year are... For the Academy, here are the films that made the greatest impact this year. And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... Slumdog Millionaire Christian... Godfather Cruz. Part 2. Francis Ford Coppola... A Deer Hunter. Birdman. Spotlight. Parasite. Moonlight. Best Picture. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosper. And I am Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding Best Picture. Welcome to part four of our March Madness Bracket Special for 2022, the Elite Eight, the last stop before the Final Four and subsequent championship. Traditionally, this is where Cinderella's lose their glass slipper and tournament favorites flex their guns, but anything can happen as we've proven time and time again throughout (laughs) this exercise. After our final four is set, we will then pivot to the 2022 Oscar ceremony and cement on air our final predictions for the biggest night in Hollywood. A lot to cover this week on ETI, so let's get right to it after this short break. Warning. This podcast contains explicit content that is not suited for all listeners. Listener discretion advised. Did Kurt Cobain kill himself? No. Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone? No. Was the moon landing faked? Maybe. Are we both drinking a crisp, delicious local craft beer right now? Absolutely. If you like true crime conspiracies, creepy and historical events, all while drinking and reviewing craft beer, tune into Bloodshed and Brews. We release an episode every Sunday. You can find us anywhere you stream podcasts and, of course, on the Chatter Network. Cheers! All right, fellas. It's the second to last stop before a tournament concludes for this year. Oh, man. Before we trim the field in half once more, I'm curious if there's been one movie that has really stuck out to you in this process. You know, last year, I think we were all really delighted by the run that Ex Machina went on and our opportunity to talk about that film week in and week out. Obviously, The Shining as well, seeing as how it won. I don't think any of us could have predicted that uh, or even really saw that film as a legit championship contender when we started last year's bracket. 
you know, my pick in this little mini discussion would obviously be Black Panther. If you were to tell me a month ago that the lone superhero movie on the bracket, regardless of its position, whether it was still alive or if it got bounced out early, would now be something that I consider like a modern day classic. I'd look at you like you had (laughs) 10 heads um, on your shoulder, yet here I am. So when y'all look at the field, is there that one movie that sticks out to you now that you feel like you maybe have a greater appreciation for? Well, I mean, I I think it's... uh... I think it's unprecedented that the run Coda has gone on uh, mm-hmm. for being such a new movie. Uh, I, I really, I really fucked my own bracket last week by voting for Coda over Whiplash, especially because Alex had Whiplash and I had Whiplash in the final. And I had Whiplash. Uh, and yeah, and Grant, yeah, we all, we all switched. We all switched. And I, I, I just Succumbed can't believe to the power of I, Coda. Yeah, the, the, the deafening silence of coda that no. is just taking over the world Woof. is that bad <laughs> i wouldn't say it was a bad taste that was just bad that was just a bad <laughs> that was just a bad joke very lovely film very lovely film uh yeah i mean i've i've it, it regrew my appreciation for arrival i knew it was going to go on a hot streak but i've rewatched it twice now during this bracket and just man i like i really really like that film um, I am bummed to see Whiplash go. I revisited that as we knocked it off in this past week, and that's uh, it, it's a tough one to go. But I mean, man, we we have one killer lead. I I also think Roma. I think Roma kind of slipped by, uh, and it, it kind of had maybe a, a, of a cakewalk, but uh, for a couple. But in the last one, it definitely got by. So I'm excited to see where it is. But yeah, yeah, th- th- this Elite Eight is is that. It is very elite. I think Arrival is the perfect comparison to something like Ex Machina from right. last year, mm-hmm. where Arrival, you know, coming into this was the 20th overall seed. So it was still in the upper half of, of ranked films. But I don't think any of us saw it. I mean, it's had it's had to knock off some pretty serious contenders yeah. to get to this point. Talking about Lady Bird, 1917. Well, and both Arrival and Ex Machina, movies that the three of us love. Yeah. But then in conversation, as we get talking about, it, we're like, oh, wow, I like this movie a lot more than I thought I did. And- I, I also think, too, that we can sometimes take things for granted. Um, not not so much maybe us here on the podcast, but just as a movie culture, you know, our, mm-hmm. our good friend Heath Triller tweeted something the other day that was like film twitter's just they don't know what they want right yeah. um I, I think that that's kind it's of a wasteland like, out there Rec- recency bias is a real thing for sure um but but at the same time i do just want to and we'll be able to talk about all three of these films here on today's episode but how effortless effortlessly we've just moved on parasite get out and moonlight where it's just kind of like these are some of the like those three movies in particular are three of the best films of the last 50 years, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we've just kind of been like, no matter what they've gone up against really, where it's just like, well, but it's Moonlight. Well, but it's Get Out, you know. And then now like one, maybe two of those have a real fight in front of them for the, for this for this round. Right, right. It'll be fun to uh, really get into it. So, so let's start that process now um, with Parasite in its matchup against the Grand Budapest Hotel. To get to this point, Parasite's had to beat Mank, it then beat Little Women, and then most recently The Martian, whereas the Grand Budapest Hotel started out beating, let's see, Nomadland? What? What was that, that movie? Yeah. Um, and then and then it took down A Star is Born and Call Me By Your Name, a few a few more heavy contenders. So so what do you guys think going into this matchup? You know, we've talked so much about just Parasite is Parasite is Parasite, but let's really get into it. Uh, you know, now's the time. As, it, as you think about how it stacks up against a movie like 
the Grand Budapest Hotel. Obviously, these are unique. They wouldn't be on our bracket if they weren't. We've kind of discussed the technical and the, um, you know, when is this ever going to happen again aspect to some of these. So, so which one do you feel like is more special in that regard? Well, going off of recency bias, as I just watched Grand Budapest <laughs> for the first time, and being one that is not well versed in Wes Anderson's filmography. I mean, Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic are about are it. fantastic. They are no, they're they're great, but they're the only ones I've seen. I have not dove into the rest. Really? Of, yeah. Oh man, we gotta do a Wes. We gotta do a no, Wes no, I've episode. Been, I've been wait. I've been waiting for it. We kept talking about it for French. You, Dispatch. you saw the French. Dispatch, okay, yeah, though, French, yeah, French French Dispatch. I have seen so, but I'm talking. There are some, and where I can see the similarities to me, the Grand Budapest was just something in and of itself it was so original in wes's field it was in his field but then so different and i was so captivated and i loved it i loved the fact that you could tell when it was miniatures and when it wasn't because it just adds more to the folklore to the story of it all and it is a very unique it's a very hollywood movie it's a very best picture movie it's a very just grand it's just ah colorful and there it is and the multi-layers and the characters and the different people you see playing the same people and i don't know it's just very encompassing and it's very warm and even though it has some you know risque aspects to it and it's a alternate history right you know it's a you know uh you know a, a shift on world war ii or what have you like i don't know it's just a very very captivating time to where parasite is just something in its own field. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. This is something I was going to bring up, and sorry to interrupt you, but Parasite, what genre is Parasite? Thriller. Thriller? I think pretty comfortably. I, th- I, I think it's thriller. Thriller, too, because thriller, like a lot of thrillers, like like Parasite does, like it has some comedic aspects, it has some drama, it has some emotion, but the entire time is the, the, when you don't know where a story is going, but you're still so interested in it, Thriller. Because it's yeah, you okay. don't because at some point something's gonna happen. It's either gonna punch you in the face or stab you in the heart, and you don't know which it is. And and I would say the more you know, it's not even this movie's obviously gonna be remembered for its climax there in the third act, but it's really the as as the family is weaving this extremely tangled web of lies, every single moment there then after that they have to uphold those lies, you are tense and these are like not really good people that you're rooting for but they are struggling so bad that you want them to make it out of this situation you know like it the scene for instance kind of once every lie has been built upon and they think they've made it um and they're in the house eating all the food at night everyone's out in the living room being themselves in this house that they have to pretend so much um every single time that they're in there and then you know that the the real family's coming back and that i mean that is some of the best tension Mm. And and some of the best, those are the, some of the best thrills in the entire movie. You know, it's not this subplot of 
the family down below and everything else that this movie touches on classism, of course, um, you know, it, it really just does pack a very thrilling punch. So that's why I would say thriller pretty comfortably. Yeah. yeah Parasite is really, really interesting because it, I guess when, when you lay it out like that, it is very much a thriller, but also at the same time, it, it almost lulls you to sleep that you don't know that it's a thriller. Like you don't know. I remember the first time watching Parasite, you, I, I had a, I, I went in totally blind other than like this movie is, you know, a moment right now that everyone needs to see. Um, but like, you have no idea where Parasite is going, like through, throughout the watch too. Like I, you, you're, you're literally on a ride with, with that movie where Grand Budapest, one of my all time favorite movies, you're on a familiar ride. Mm-hmm. You you still kind of don't know where it's going, but you kind of I mean, if you know Wes Anderson and you know his films, you kind of you kind of have an idea where we're going to land. Parasite is just and and the fact that it's an international film too and it was subtitles and and it had that moment, like it is it is a perfect fucking film. It, it really is. It is a I guess a perfect thrill ride, right? Like it, it is, it is something uh, uh, onto itself. And you know, just looking at Bong Joon Ho's career in totality, I also think that it was the perfect movie of his to really get recognized. And then, you know, I had seen The Host prior, but that was the only one. This led me then. And you know, I think a lot of people had probably seen Snowpiercer, yeah. um, but maybe didn't exactly know that Parasite was from the director of Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. It was more of an American uh, film, you know, got released here in the States a lot on a much wider scale. And and so to then, you know, see Parasite, search out Snowpiercer, Memories of Murder, which is a film I'm really excited to show you guys. I think we have plans to watch that here coming up soon. You know, it's it's so special because like you're saying with Wes Anderson, there is that level of familiarity. It was one of the knocks I had against it in the previous round going up against Luca Guadagnino and Call Me By Your Name, where there was just so much unfamiliarity with that film. And that's something that I think you really look for um, when it comes to best picture is being told a story that you're not used to seeing. And now all of the technical aspects, the attention to detail and everything, maybe we hadn't seen Wes execute as well as he did in Grand Budapest. I think it's consensus belief that that's you know his best project uh especially live action he's done some incredible stuff with fantastic mr fox and what have you but but yeah i mean you're you're taking two people kind of at the apex of their career and and for me i think that bong's just a a, a more talented director um and, and storyteller more specifically so so my vote i'll start it off here final answer is going to be parasite for me, as we move forward, and I, what I tried to do last week, and now I think I kind of need to stick to this, is the thought process is if these two were movies were to come out the same year and both nominated, who do I think is taking the Oscar over the other one or who's higher ranked? And to me, where Grand Budapest, if I were to go see this in the theaters opening weekend, and I would have a smile on my face and be comfortable and have a good time and be enthralled by this flick and really enjoy it. I'm probably, as I walk out of that film, content and that's about it and moving on with my life to where Parasite, I'm not only enthralled the entire time, have a smile on my face, I'm like gasping, I have a frown, I'm laughing, I'm doing all these things. I'm thinking about this movie for the next two weeks. So to, for me, it's a no-brainer that it's Parasite. And I, as well, am voting for Parasite. Clean sweep Clean into the sweep final four. Into the final four. 
All right, and the next matchup we have is, I mean, it's hard to say the toughest matchup because we have some tough ones going ahead, but we have Arrival going against Get Out. And uh, this is this is hard. I've rewatched Arrival twice in the last week to really get it all and really absorb that that movie. And uh, I I have to just disdain from voting right now because it is this is literally a coin flip for me. Arrival. Every time I watch it, I picked up new stuff. I like I liked Jamie Renner's performance more, and then I liked Amy Adams' performance more. And then for me, I was like, Ah, oh, Forrest Whitaker steals the show. Like he's so he's so good in this. And then even uh, the minor characters, I forget the guy's name, but he's the one that's the uh, backup doctor in Doctor Strange, and he's kind of like the one that's like, no, we need to do what China's doing and get ready to like arm our nukes and all this stuff. And that like once the ball gets rolling, like once the, the offer weapon line gets produced, it is just pedal to the metal. And the emotions are just like, like my adrenaline is just through the roof. And I've seen the movie so many times. And every time I watch it, I feel the same way. And then the outcome is just so well written and so well executed, but then get out is how Max just said, like, it is the ultimate thrill ride. Like, from the beginning of Lakeith getting captured, your eyes are wide open, and your jaw is either clenched shut or to the floor. And the acting performances and Jordan Peele just hatching out of his comedy egg, it's just, it's this is setting up a really, really hard matchup. So I, I am 100% on the fence on this one. So... I really love everything you just said, uh, especially about Arrival, because I, too, was a, a bit undecided in, in my decision-making process here. Um, you know, talking about how you get to notice something new every time. There's a new performance that you pick up on. All those little details that the filmmaker so strategically place throughout mm-hmm. the film. Um, the same thing happens in Get Out. Yep. And every single time you watch that, there's a new performance, whether it is Lakeith um, you know, all these different people that pop up. Kathleen Keener's incredible in this movie. I, I, I'm such a big tea drinker, but I do not like to stir my tea with a spoon because <laughs> I always feel like I'm about to, you know, tell someone to sink into the floor. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I mean, this movie just, this movie fucking gets me. It got a lot of people too. Um, I'm leaning towards Get Out just because I am more of a horror fan. Right. And so I feel like that's me staying true to my roots. And two, there's something about that theater experience that it's still the best theater experience I've had since seeing this movie um, in 2017. I, 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 I just won't forget it. I, it's, I have a few of those in my life and this is the most recent of, of those. So I, I have to lean, not even really lean. I, I, I need to, I'll just submit my vote early on for, for get out because as much as I love arrival talked about it, Max, when we did our perfect movies episode, I'm a little ashamed. Neither of us said get out was a perfect movie because it really is. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting too. Cause like it kind of like the matchup up above, Arrival is is familiar because it's science fiction and alien invasion, but then it, it does take like a a total left turn, and and you have no idea. You think it's going to be more of an action movie. I, I feel like at least I did when when I first saw it, and then it gets hella existential. Oh yeah, hella existential, and then like mind blowing and like time, tra- you know, not. Well, kind of time travel-y, but like, uh, well, it makes it like at certain like interrupt, but like yeah. it like to me like the thing that I grab from those these last two viewings is 
not only does it make me feel like, okay, if an alien were to come, like we have no way of connecting, but like it also makes you feel disconnected from our fellow men just in language of just how languages can be misinterpreted and how I like the thing that I never caught was that Amy Adams character says their phrase is offer weapon where the Chinese say that the phrase was use weapon. And it's like minor, minor differences. And then they have the conversation like, we don't know if they're trying to offer us a weapon, if they're asking us for one, if they're about to use one. like, and so like, it's, yeah, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, and and it, it is it is a bit of a thrill ride as well, and and on a much grander scale. But the Im- intimacy of Get Out, and and fe- like when I watch that movie, I feel like I'm trapped in that house, um, and 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 you feel like you're you're being thrown into the sunken place. You know, I can't give you these keys, Max. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I. <sighs> you mean these keys? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Grant. What, what where, I, where are you leaning towards? I I am leaning more towards Arrival. I do have it moving forward on my bracket, and the more I think about it, like to me, like to where Get Out is is very socially relevant, and will always will be, unfortunately, and will continue to be a huge, huge. Uh, stamp on Jordan Peele's career, and I, I'm so excited for Nope, and I can't wait for that. For me, Arrival, it's there are things greater than this world, and that that movie asks some of those questions and makes you think a little bit more beyond that. Where I'm not saying that the questions here on Earth aren't important at all. That to me is just, I don't know. It's a little bit more enticing it's a little it's a little bit more captivating it's a little bit more escapism where like get out is more of a magnifying glass and 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 i hate putting it in those terms but i'm leaning more towards arrival because to me like that's movies yeah you know like i said in the last episode escapism that's what i that's what i go for let let me throw something else uh into the into the ring here too just something for you to chew on and I kind of brought this up with uh, the Black Panther discussion last week, even though that wasn't Kugler's debut feature. Get Out is Jordan Peele's debut feature. Debut yeah. feature, and you know nothing against Denny, but he was pretty established at the time of Arrival. He'd done things like Enemy and Prisoners, mm-hmm. extremely successful, well-made, and critically acclaimed films. Get Out will go down as one of the best directorial debuts of all time. Yeah. And and not, that's not any hyperbole. Not that Jordan Peele's like coming out of nowhere. The guy's got, had some career behind him no, for sure. No, no, no. But well, Ryan Coogler, like, well, he's coming as, out as of a, nowhere. As a director. No, right? for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, and yeah. I, no, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from him. I was more saying that as kind of like a, an accolade to Ryan Coogler of being like, a guy came out of nowhere and directed Black Panther. Like, that's pretty fantastic. Jordan Peele, you're, I 100% agree with. But yeah, had some relevancy and then jumped genres and gave us what he gave a fucking masterpiece. And nothing against Jordan Peele, but like it's probably going to be the dude's best movie. How do you top Get exactly. Out? Exactly. No, and that's and that's the bummer thing about him too. Like Us was good, and Nope looks good, but Get Out is it's Get Out. And I, here I am praising movie I'm not voting for. Well, but then okay, well then if we're looking at is is Arrival Denny's best? I wouldn't say it's his best. I think it's his best sci-fi. It's better than Dune. Yes. Okay. 
I don't. I wouldn't say it's better than Prisoners. I'd say it's the second best. Prisoners to me is is my favorite. Sicario. Danny. I think Sicario is better. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's not what we're talking about. Also, <laughs> you know, if there's any old white uh, Academy Award winner or uh, the voters on here, pretty awesome that both of these movies got uh, nominated for Best Picture. True, because uh, you know, sci-fi and uh, horror thriller never really gets Unbelievable. recognized. Unbelievable. Um, Listen, I I co-host on a horror podcast. I feel like uh, I need to stay with that brand, and I am going to move uh, Get Out forward. There it is. Danny, I tried. (laughs) I'm sorry, Danny. (laughs) No, I'm really excited. That that was one that I didn't really care because it's it, it was literally a collision. get out and parasite i think this has been a that's collision it. course they, they've, they've well, see, on to me, see, and, that, and that's that's one thing and maybe i should have voted for get out because to me i was like parasite versus arrival i know where i'm going yeah. now this next round i maybe not i'd like to watch maybe not. back to back that'd be fun yeah well let's do it maybe do we a eti double feature hey so Which, before we get to our final two matchups um and elect you know our final two films to the final four we got to tell everybody about the gig harbor beer festival tickets have you are, heard of it <laughs> tickets are on sale right now for the 11th annual gig harbor beer festival saturday may 14th in beautiful gig harbor washington some of your favorite puget sound breweries will be pouring their most popular beers at this annual community event that also features local hard seltzers and ciders Award-winning Heritage Distilling will be pouring at their very popular Heritage Lounge, and there will be live music throughout the day on the Uptown Gig Harbor Pavilion stage. Tickets are available at are available at Eventbrite or by visiting gigharborbeerfestival.com. You can click on Buy Tickets. Once again, this event is scheduled for Saturday, May 14th, and is brought to you in part by the Washington State Lottery. Max, you just mentioned the... Uh, other podcast that you help host here on the Chatter Network, Silver Screams podcast, mm-hmm. when your co-host will be performing at this event. Yeah, Chatterheads. Kristen Marlowe is going to be on the stage Woo! doing some songs, playing some guitar. I believe she's got uh, one of her friends, Jeff. Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross coming up from Arizona to I, play I with believe, her. I believe Jeff dabbles with um, with Excuse the Intermission every oh, now yeah. and then. So, Jeff, if you're listening, big shout out. Oh, yeah. He's a chatterhead for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so she'll be on the stage. We're also going to have a tent, uh, the Chatter Network. Grant's going to be there. He's going to be three sheets to the wind. Always. Uh, Alex. Always. Alex and another host uh, from Hey Football Head, the commish, Tim Dowling, are going to be hot on the mics. Uh, you come by, you give them a, a good enough excuse. They might let you jump on. I'll be the one drinking you under the table with uh, some sweet tea, <laughs> some, some lemonade maybe. It's going to be a really fun time. I can't wait. It's the 11th year that this beer fest has been going on. Unbelievable. Uh, and I haven't heard of a lot of other beer fests happening. So come to the the only beer fest in Washington State this year. I heard it here. <laughs> I, I will say this. As someone that has been to this festival for at least seven years in a row, it is always sunny and warm on Gig Harbor Beer Fest Day. Knock on wood. For some reason, it always is. It's the first sunburn of the year. That's how we've kind of started to refer to it. Absolutely. And even if it rains, you got liquid sunshine in your glass. Hello. There you go. All right. The final two here. All right. The next matchup uh, is Coda going up against Black Panther. Uh, Coda, of course, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's come out of nowhere. It's kind of sweeping the nation right now. Uh, We're probably going to be talking about it a little later on this episode. Black Panther, 
Uh, a lot of people uh, think it's you know the best Marvel movie ever made, the only real superhero movie that's ever been um, nominated for Best Picture, had a, an extremely important moment uh, at the time of release. Again, Ryan Coogler, we talked about him earlier. Came, uh, you know, he had done Fruitville Station, but and Creed, and Creed, uh, but you know, uh, having him at the helm of this was very, very important. Um, I, I, I am on the record. I, I, I don't really care for Black Panther uh as as just a movie experience as as just watching a movie i, I just I, I don't think it's extremely uh strong in the uh marvel cinematic cinematic universe send your ads to at gc or gr colombini um <laughs> coda i also don't really care for coda as as much as i i feel like the the general public does i i know it's having a, a huge moment right now but I, I, I again i've been on the record saying it's very much a hallmark movie P- picking these two grant what do you think is more disrespectful to call something a hallmark movie or a <laughs> lifetime movie Ooh. Hallmark. Because every time he said Hallmark, I've been wondering, I'm like, if he were to say Lifetime, like a Lifetime original, no. what would I take more offense to? Maybe we just want to call this like a Disney Channel original. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, Maybe. I think I think honestly it is more Disney Channel original than either of those two because like Hallmark to me always made sense. Lifetime to me, like none of them hold. The third I think Lifetime's more disrespectful. Li- Lifetime would Lifetime's ne- more like uh, those are stories. Pond. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> stories that would never happen that they're like, what if this I person fell in love was with my your... garbage collector. Yeah. He's a serial killer, though. Yeah, and then he's actually the twin brother of my husband's cousin-in-law. Like you know, it's like dumb shit. They're never Hallmark. At least is like movies that stories that have happened, and they're just cheesy. Is that they're like Nicholas Sparks? I think Disney Channel is probably what Max Disney is Channel for. is actually pretty, pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. Wow. Uh, I don't, I don't know where to go here. I, I, I will, I will defer to the, uh, to the field (laughs) and, uh, let you guys make your cases. Well, I feel like I've almost backed myself into a corner after the impassioned speech about Black Panther last week. I do feel like I have a bit more leniency to to look at coda as as an equal in in some respects just because of you know the message that it's delivering the people that it's representing feels more fair as opposed to mad max which is just like so science fiction and coda feels very lived in um so so when i think about it in that sense and and what it would mean you know to to have you know the jury's still out we we may see what what this means if to to the group of people represented in that film if it wins best picture this year still trying to think about what the culture would have been like had black panther of one though that night is something that like i will forever now be disappointed that we didn't get to see you know and it it is really interesting because Whenever a sequel to that film show, uh, you know, comes, or whether we get a, a new Black Panther in in another Marvel film in the future, we will we will always kind of have the lasting memory of this movie. I don't think this movie is going away anytime soon. 
if Coda wins, it'll definitely have its moment and the representation will be real for those in the deaf community, especially children of deaf adults is what the whole movie is about. Sadly, I don't know how long that lasts. Whereas, you know, after thinking so much about Black Panther over the past handful of weeks, I'm like, this movie still lasts. It still lingers. And, and so, you know, I'm, I am still on the fence a bit, but I am leaning more towards the Black Panther side of things here to think that Black Panther could make it to our final four, um, is, is mind blowing, but you know, it's, it is what it is at this point. So for me on this one, it comes down to a lot of the, I mean, you can't ignore the conversation of representation, both of these. I mean, we talked about it at length last, last week of what this entire crew did for Black Panther. I, I have heard just to interject real quick. Great conversation, fellas. I've heard great feedback on that. Awesome. They were like, "This is this is what ETI is all about." This we is we all guys... we all felt that was one of our best yeah. episodes, and it was because of that. And then the conversation that came right after, and it was they were both fantastic. And so, yeah, so great ideals behind Black Panther and the representation has Coda equal amazing amount of representation it has for the deaf community. I mean, Marley Matlin, who is is seasoned. Troy Kotzer, who has dappled and is really shining through. Um, I'm I'm forgetting the brother's name, and I'm kicking myself because I memorized it all week, and now I can't remember. And then, uh, and then uh, Emily just shining through in in the main role. I mean, there is something about the simplicity of that movie and the representation it has for not only the deaf community but also just lost individuals and their family. Uh, I identified with a little bit of that being, you know, having two older brothers feeling a little overshadowed and stuff. There's, so there, there, there's family dynamics that that movie captivates that everyone can go into. Black Panther it, it holds more global weight for a, a larger community. But Ryan Coogler, I feel like, did did that just as well with Creed. Did that just as well with Adonis in coming into a franchise so so similarly, coming into a franchise that doesn't nearly have the huge base for it, but coming from an Italian family where my father is obsessed with these Rocky movies, my dad cannot shut up about the Creed movies and what those movies, he's like, man, you want to look at Determination, you look at Adonis, you look at Adonis in this movie over here. And that's not how my dad talks at all, but that's my impression of, of Dave on, on this podcast. But Ryan Cooler is, is a phenomenal director. You know, a lot of what we talked about, the representation that Black Panther holds, a lot of it is because of the Marvel weight behind it, the 20 movies backing it, the 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 marketing that can go into it, where Fruitvale Station and Creed do a lot of the same stuff, don't necessarily have the production value, have the same director and the same storyteller behind it. And does a lot of the, a great representation of this social and you know injustice that Black Panther touches on the social cause that Killmonger is going after, and there, there's a lot of connections that Ryan Coogler does really well in all of his movies. To me, Coda in that field, there is no representation. There is no other other thing to go off of other than that movie by itself is really good enough to be nominated to this extent, to win the awards to this extent. Black Panther did all these things amazingly and accomplished so much deservingly 
but had a lot of buildup to it. Coda is going off of the adapted screenplay and the cast, and that's it. So to me, when I'm looking at a best picture, I'm looking at what's going to, you know, like, like I said, if these two, like I'm voting, if these two are nominated the same year, which one am I leaning towards? And as much as I enjoy Black Panther and I love Black Panther, if I were to see these the same year, I'd be like, Black Panther is definitely going to kill at the box office. And I love it. I'm going to buy me some statues and some action figures and I'm buy that Blu-ray. But Coda's winning Best Picture. Like, that's winning the Oscar. That's the way more Oscar movie to me. So I'm going Coda on, on this matchup. It is. I think you raise a good point because saying that Black Panther maybe stands above how, you know, it's it's like a diamond in the rough because it has it has something that all the other Marvel movies maybe don't. And you guys can speak to that more because you are the superhero aficionados. But but for me to think, hey, this is like the best Marvel's ever done. I can't say that wholeheartedly because I haven't really seen all the movies, but, but so to me, it just stands out as like the diamond in the rough because of all the messages below the surface. Now you guys might say that, well, that is so true. But as far as a Marvel movie, as far as a superhero movie, there's like six better, seven better, eight better. I I, I don't know really. There's only a few. Okay. There's only a few, but then, but then getting to your point though, Coda is like a one of one. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that that is a, a, a pretty good point. You know, we'd be remiss. We haven't really brought up Sean Harris, either the director of CODA, you know, for a, or a female director to potentially be poised here to walk away with best picture is also a, would be a huge moment, a very exciting thing. You know, it's probably, it's going to happen one way or another this and year, she, right? She's a producer as well. Mm-hmm. So there's, she just, and then it just won at the producers, producers guild, guild, just won yeah. at the writers guild. So there's a lot of representation being shown behind this one. Yeah. yeah. This it's, is, this it's, is it's really hard. Tough. It's, it's, really, it's really hard. Um, you know, I hate to do this to you, bud, but I'll just pick black Panther and, and leave it up to you to decide max, because I feel like I've, I've already voted for Coda. So Grant, it, it's on you, Max. Grant, Grant has said Coda. I'm going black Panther. And I feel like maybe this is just the right thing to do since you have been kind of outspoken on how, you're not exactly fans of either of these being mm-hmm. a best picture representation. Mm-hmm. So, so I think Grant and I both kind of get our say yeah. here yeah. and and you've casted your vote. I've casted my vote, man. All right. Well, but we, tr- and we trust you, right? Yeah, we, we do. Trust though, you. Absolutely. Yeah, That's the course. thing at this point is like, I mean, and, and I will say this too, you know, who's to say what will happen coming up, but, you know, try to think of, uh, try to have a little foresight, too, with this pick. And I was going to say, yeah, look at the future. Yeah. See, right. see the match Well, and on. so, yeah, that, I, I guess, I guess it, what it, what it's going to come down to is, is the future, is the foresight. Like that, that is, is what I'm going to go off here with my vote, um, because I, as we'll learn later in this episode, I, I think. I think Coda's going to win the fucking best picture, guys. I think a fucking Hallmark movie's going to win best picture. Or a Disney a Disney original. <laughs> uh and so I I I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with Coda in in this moment. I I think Coda I I think Coda something that Grant said, I think I think Coda is the 
better representation of a of an Oscar film where a Marvel superhero film that is is very important and very, very big moment sh- should not be should not be in in the talks for a a best picture. And that's fair. So that's fair. Yeah. All right, Coda, Coda moves on. Coda it is continues. It just continues. All right, now so for our final matchup, that puts Moonlight versus Roma. Uh two films that have have had to had to battle through some things here. I, I'd say that Moonlight's toughest matchup was probably this previous round against West Side Story. And then Roma, you know, had to go against Dune and King Richard, two twenty two nominees from this year. So or excuse me, um it did not have to be King Richard, but it was in the same bracket as some recent ones here. So it's battled against films that did have recency biased in its same region. Um, but, you know, I think they're both very deserving to be here, both beautifully shot films that tell a very touching, heartbreaking story. Um, you know, Moonlight, one of those that I talked about, how we've just kind of effortlessly moved it on. I think that this is now a, a real fight that it has on its hands against Roma. Excuse me. Um, you know, Barry Jenkins, when I look at his career and the things that he's done, as opposed to Alfonso Cuaron. I love Curon and, and I, I'm more impressed with his work and, and everything that he did on Roma, how personal that felt to him. Not that everything wasn't very personal on the set of Moonlight, but, but, you know, I can't help but just think that we're not going to get and, and, you know, it's tough because we did just get another Roma in Belfast. Um, so to say that we're not going to get another Roma anytime soon, you know, feels a bit contradictory. And, you know, Max, I think you talked about how Spielberg has a, a similar film coming out. And we have seen this before. You know, I've mentioned guys like Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese have made pictures kind of similar to Roma. Um, but I just feel like Roma Roma did that best, that that I'm going to tell my personal story, at least the best in a long, long time. Moonlight is is equally as impressive and, and brave. I would say Moonlight was a very brave movie in, in the way that it tackled its subjects and you know, there's something about, especially that middle act. I went back and I rewatched it. It's that middle act and moonlight that, that really, really gets me where at first you kind of feel the vacancy that the Mahershala Ali character leaves. Um, you know, I, I love that he won best supporting actor for, for moonlight. You know, if you're watching that movie for, for the first time, I, I do feel like in that second act, you're kind of waiting for him to come back, though. And then you find out that, you know, OK, he's, he's passed and we're not going to get any flashbacks or anything. This narrative is going to keep moving on. I think that to then end at the end of the movie where we do and you're not missing him anymore and you're just kind of like, wow, this character who I was so attached to and who I felt like was going to be such an important part of the story is gone and I haven't missed him. And it's the movie's actually kind of had to go this way, you know. We had to start um, figuring out things on our own and just kind of use the guidance that he's given us. It, it works so well. And in so many other films, I don't think that that's the case. Probably a testament as to why he won Best Supporting Actor and a testament as to why this movie won Best Picture. Um, you know, this and Parasite are our only actual Best Picture winners left. We'll see what happens with Coda. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's really tough. I basically want to flip a coin here. 
I feel like I need to lean towards Moonlight right now, but I could easily be swayed towards Roma, you know, talking about an, an international feature, a black and white film too, which is really cool. We haven't really talked about that too much as we've discussed this. We've talked about how brilliantly it's shot, one for cinematography, but the fact that it was black and white, you know, I think we only had what Mank is our only other black and white film on this bracket off the top of my head. Justice for Mank. <laughs> um, maybe Nightmare Alley, the, the, Ooh, the black and white version. The Fosford cut? Or, or um, Turn your color down. I mean, TV. just as, as gray should have been on here. but <laughs> We could have done Mad Max, black and chrome. But but no, um, you know, this is really tough. I, I will say I'm leaning Moonlight, though. So if if you guys are really going to push for Roma, you're going to have to sway at least one, one vote. I am not. So I'm going to see if this makes it easier or if Max wants to sway me the other way. But to me, it came down to just real simple. Like my voting has gone. If these two were nominated the same year, which one am I, am I going to lean towards Roma the entire time? My eyes were glued to the screen. I'm emotionally attached. And at the end of the movie, I'm just saying, wow, moonlight. I'm crying a couple times. I'm saying wow a few times through that movie. Like Mo- Moonlight is ju- is just getting me a little bit more. So I'm leaning towards Moonlight. Yeah, I, I would say both these films are 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 somewhat similar. I mean, the, yeah, they're both you know kind of coming of age and and I don't know if Moonlight is auto autobiographical or but autobiographical. Uh, we've we've struggled with that word here yeah, recently. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Most words I struggle. Bibliographical. Graphical. Um. No, I I also am am going. I, I actually I'll I'll throw it out. I'm I'm giving my final vote to Moonlight. I, I just think Moonlight, and and nothing nothing against Roma. Roma is great, but I I think Moonlight is just it's it's a transcendent film uh, com- compared to Roma. That's a good way to put it. I'm sure you know yeah. there's somebody out there who who probably could sway us, but I just don't think. Yeah, right now. It- yeah, yeah right I now i don't think i don't think it's gonna happen no. and every single time i watch moonlight i try to find that chopped and screwed version of classic man still can't which which pisses me off that, that song he's rolling around to in the fucking car at the end uh or in the third act there it's just it's fucking awesome um so yeah that's that, what, that'll do it what a final four on both sides of the bracket we got a crazy throw yeah. down yeah psychological thriller emotional thriller and and yeah, and then like two like very beautiful like heartwarming films, grounded, yeah. grounded, grounded yeah. yeah, absolutely, it's amazing. Um, all right, well, so yeah, the stage is set. Next week, we will not only do the final four, but the championship as well. We'll yep. fly through both mm-hmm. of those rounds as we finally get to announce our ultimate best picture. The, the winner will be crowned. Seven plus years of nominations. Uh, is this about how you thought it would shake out, guys? I I. I saw the parasite get out thing coming from a mile away. There were some bumps in the road there, especially for get out going against spotlight and arrival. It's not easy, um, but, but it made it here. Is this, is this what you guys thought would happen? I have um, three of my final four in there. I had parasite coda and moonlight and uh, it was get out that I had arrival moving forward. Wow. So yeah, I, my, I, my final four is in there. I had get out in the final four. I, but, you know, I, I changed my vote all the time on the show. Right. Uh, but, yeah, the original one that, that I wrote in was was Budapest against get out. Um, uh, the, the, the right side of the bracket I is just there's so much pink highlighter going on over here. Like it, it looks like I'm trying to color. A little screwy. Oh, my God. I, I don't even know. I, I had Irishman in the final four. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, Uncle Marty. I tried. 
Yeah, my, my final four on that side was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood versus Moonlight. So, a bit mm. different now. Moonlight kind of stands. I, and, and as soon as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood went out, I was like, this, this at least in, on my bracket, the door's yeah, wide no, open. Yeah, the, no, the rest of my bracket doesn't look great, but my, my final four somehow yeah. is, has held together somehow. Well done. Well done. All right, so now before we get to our official Academy Award predictions for this year, let us pause and tell you about a fantastic way to spend your Oscar evening. This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema and their Film Awards Party. On March 27th, the theater will be hosting an Academy Awards viewing party that begins at 5 p.m. Doors open at 4.30. The event will include a costume contest where fans can dress like their favorite characters or actors from the nominated movies. There will be faux paparazzi to snap your photos you arrive on the red carpet... The show will also be broadcasted online and is one of the Grand Cinema's largest fundraisers of the year. Event passes can be purchased online or in person at the Grand Cinema. Before visiting the theater, please check online to read the cinema's COVID-19 guidelines. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington. All right, so we are back and we are going to kind of briefly fly through our official Oscar predictions here. We will... um, We'll reserve the right to change these and be a little bit flexible if anything incredibly drastic happens. You know, we don't we don't wish a cancellation upon anybody involved here, but crazier things have happened. You know, we're recording this on the Monday before the awards show. This will air on the Thursday, so there'll only be a couple of days there in between. Um, but but we do plan to go live, do a Twitch, do an Instagram thing there during the ceremony so you guys will be able to check in with us and see how the tallies are going we want to um you know spend some time with some of our listeners whether that is virtually or in person we're going to have a few show favorites heath triller in the house with us watching the show with us drew and stephanie from our 2010s horror hall of fame can hopefully join us um and and so yeah we have a pretty fun night planned here for for the actual event and unlike the actual award show, right now we are going to dedicate the time to talk about all 23 nominations um, and give them all. Show all 23, you fucking cowards. <laughs> also, maybe invite the people that were uh, in the movies yeah, that are nominated. It, come on, also, Academy. What is going on? We don't on? need this um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle yeah, controversy like, going like, on. Unbelievable. And, yeah. for, the, for those of you who don't know, Rachel Zegler, the star the lead actress of a movie that is nominated for best picture was not invited to the show. Unbelievable. Well, and actually as long as we're shitting on the Academy, I made a list of movies that came out this past year that got zero Oscar. Oh, here we go. Oh, I I love this. Yeah. ISO at the top of the key for max. All right. And, And this is, this is, so I think I mentioned this a couple, couple episodes ago where, Maybe we should have a cap on nominations. One movie doesn't need 12 fucking nominations. I, I know it's, it's really cool and like if, if you know a movie is, is, is so amazing that we got to give them all the technical shit. If you clear 15, pick eight. Like boil it down to that. Listen to this list because I, after going through and picking my, my picks for this, I – some of these movies on this list deserve to be fucking uh, nominated at least. Um, here, here's the list. The Green Knight, The French Dispatch, 
the last duel, mass, the card counter, the harder they fall, pig, red rocket, Zola, passing, come on, come on, and Titan. Zero. Zero nominations. Blanked. So and now hold on. These are exciting with salt movies. With, with a grain of salt, did all of these campaign? Which also sucks that you have to do that. But did all of them campaign? But we're talking about recognizing some of the best films oh, no. of the year. Oh, and I agree year, with you. Maybe we'll look back in ten years or five years and say like, wow, this year was actually like fucking stacked. But all of these movies on, that got zero Oscar nominations, it's a travesty. And that's why. One, at some point in this year, excuse the intermission award ceremony will happen. Oh, and we'll yeah, do our own. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to start with the undercard awards right now, if you will. You know, we don't want to besmirch anybody's achievements, um, but we're going to fly through some of these less. And I don't even want to say less important. Just the, <laughs> just the undercard, the below the line categories here. Um, so let's start with the the short films. So we'll go short film animated. Uh, for this one, I have Robin Robin as my vote, and I don't know much more about the film other than I think I saw that it was a, a Disney venture. So mm. I'm, I'm rolling with that. What do you guys have? Uh, I have the windshield wiper because if someone's able to make a movie about a windshield wiper and it gets nominated, that me- must mean it's pretty good. I also uh, took the Disney pill and uh, <laughs> voted for Robin you Robin. You fucking, you shills. <laughs> We're I- sheep. Max, we're sheep. <laughs> so let's lambs. I'm a lamb. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's Robins apparently. Let's go to uh, short film live action now. For this one, I will go with the long kiss goodbye or the long goodbye. I also picked the long goodbye because it sounded really sad. As did I because I actually researched it and I know what it's about and I'm not telling you so you guys can't take credit. <laughs> I'll chalk up that dub if I get it yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, all right. So now let's move over to documentary here just because we can kind of play the same hand that we just did. We'll start with documentary short subject. You know, this one, um, I've done a little research on this one. I'm going with the queen of basketball. I just listened to a Shaquille O'Neal interview talking about this mm. movie. He's campaigning real hard for this. And, you know, I was thinking in recent memory, you know, before his untimely passing, Kobe Bryant earned a Oscar in this category um, for a film about basketball. Or, or I believe that was maybe in short film animated, actually, um, that he won his award. But nonetheless, the Academy seems to love these short films about about basketball. So basketball is yeah. having kind of a moment too with the uh, the HBO series uh, Winning Time. Mm-hmm. If you're not watching that, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Audible uh, because you know it might uh, jump on the coda uh, coattails. Coattails, yeah, cool. Yeah, I also had the Queen of Basketball. So all right, there we go. There we go. So I'm up to one on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's jump now to documentary feature length. And, you know, this is a this is a pretty sad category this year. There's a lot going on um, with this one. A movie that one of us probably should have mentioned on our best of 2021 list. We'll get my vote, though. And I imagine you guys might be feeling the same, though. But it is Summer of Soul. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. That is my pick. And also it is on Disney Plus. Uh, it is one of the best documentaries of all time. Quest Love, if you can look up any interview this guy has had about this documentary, it's insanely captivating of his own passion behind it. Um, I 
I will be uh, like slapsticked in the face if this doesn't win. This is a phenomenal documentary. Well, sounds like Max is Zagan. I used to live in a house and we called it Fleeland. They called me the Big Flea and Flea. I'm going with Flea. So, I, no, I and I've, I've read Flea, nothing but good things about Flea. No, Flea is also a huge contender because it's not only nominated for documentary, but also. And like there's the it's In, nominated, international, international and animated, and animated. first like, time that's ever is, happened. Yeah, it is an insanely captivating film. I've seen only about 20 minutes of I've it. I've watched it. It, it, it. It's it's crazy. I good. think it will have its moment. I'll talk about where I think it's going to yeah. have that moment here um, coming up. But but yeah, that's a good that's a good pick. there yeah. as well, Max. Good job. OK, let's move over to music. Best original song. Um, I, I'm going to go with, uh, Billie Eilish here and no time to die from the film. No time to die. I think that, you know, and I'm not sure I should have researched this. I'm not sure how they're going to be presenting these or if they were going to get any performances at the Oscars this year. I really hope so though. We have a lot of very talented people, uh, represented in this category this year, the, the least of which is Billie Eilish, but I'm, I'm rolling with her here. I was, uh, this was a coin flip for me because I know that like that is kind of like the favorite right now, but I am really leaning towards the Encanto song, Dos Orgulitas, because Encanto is just still, I thought it would stop after a month, but it is still just sweeping the nation. So I'm going with, uh, Dos Orgulitas and Encanto. The beehive is coming for both of you. Oh, boy. You've got. Beyonce at the Oscars, if they don't have her up there performing, uh, it's going to be terrible because she's going to go up and win for Be Alive. From King Richard. From King Richard. Nice pick, nice pick. All right, we'll stay with the musical uh, stuff here and go over to original score. Now, this is a category that we love. Unfortunately, it will not be aired live. We We will get an acceptance speech from hopefully real the great Hans Zimmer for Dune. I imagine we're all on the same page in this in this category. Yes, the the master finally gets his his Oscar. Well, he, not finally, yeah. but for second since Lion King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he it should win. He should win. I think there is a, a chance for Encanto to sneak in there, but I, I'm voting for Hans. That's that's where my money is because the dude's soundtrack is just ridiculous. And and don't sleep on Johnny Greenwood either for the power of the dog. You know he did some probably that is probably my favorite part of that film mm. is, is the music there. So that's really good. Okay, so now let's go to makeup and hairstyling. There's one movie in my opinion that maybe two. Well, actually, this is a pretty good category. Now that I'm looking at all the nominees, for me, it was a no-brainer, though. I'm going with the eyes of Tammy Faye. I, too, have the eyes of Tammy Faye. As do I. Yeah, I kind of thought so. You know, other nominees, though, in this category, House of Gucci, one of its only nominations. I believe it, it that is its only nomination. Uh, if Dune the, also in there, Cruella in there. Coming to America is kind of like that dragon meme where it's the cross-eyed one. You're like, what are you doing in this group? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's one thing for House of Gucci. Like, if there was more than just Jared Leto of like insane yeah, makeup, maybe but... it would have held a better chance. But the eyes of Tammy Faye, like the entire cast from, I'm not only talking Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield, but Vincent D'Onofrio and everyone else that comes on, like, they're doing something to them to make them just look exactly how they looked and also weird and bonkers strange at the same time. Yeah. I think house of Gucci also uh, suffers here because a little film called the Batman came out and that's how you do fat makeup. That's good. Yeah. Sorry, Jared Leto. That's a good point. Uh, which right. may be nominated for an Oscar next year. Probably should be. Um, let alone 
you know, Batman throwing on some mascara as soon as he sees the bat signal. Bobby, Bobby Pats, I don't know what's going on there, <laughs> but I like it. Uh, okay, so next, let's go over to costume design. Kind of goes hand in hand with makeup and hairstyling. This is where I think, surprisingly, we are going to see the team from Cruella no way. stroll across the stage and accept the award. Cruella. Yeah. Max, who are you going with? Uh, I, listen, it, costume design, uh, if you look back in, in, in history, they always go with the period pieces. I'm going with Cyrano. Cyrano? Uh, and it will be its only only Oscar. You know, that it, it is literally a coin flip between them, and uh, I'm doing I'm, – I'm with Mac or Alex on this one. I'm going, I'm going with Cruella because of the Disney, and then also, like, I don't know if you guys have seen Cruella, but uh, you talk about period piece. Like, they, they do it well. Well, and, one. and much like the, my kind of thought process here was, you know, the eyes of Tammy Faye is, is sort of all about makeup and hairstyling, whereas Cruella is all about costume. Exactly. Costume that's exactly. That's uh, exactly. So, so that was my thought process there. Yep. All right. I think we can pretty easily pivot now from costume design to production design. I'm starting to ramp up a little bit here. Let's let's get Dune. I believe. Well, no, I already had Hans Zimmer um, represented, but let's get Dune some of these more technical awards. I want it to be a big Dune night. So production design, the world of Caladan, Arrakis, everything they did there. Whereas I look at some of these other films, really good stuff, especially like Tragedy of Macbeth, a few other movies here, Nightmare Alley. But but I think Dune's taking this one. And I'm going with Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, it is a play on screen. Uh, those are all built, hand-built sets. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's no, as, as, as cool as Dune looks, a lot of CGI in there. It's, I think, God damn it! like every time it's always a coin flip between the two and mine lands on Dune on this one. I know that there's a lot of CGI, but like the, the set prosthetics, especially the interior stuff that they did in Dune is insane and new where tragedy of Macbeth, which I was leaning towards has been done in, in ways. So Dune is taking it. I can't me. wait to drink both of your tears. <laughs> all right, let's yeah, go. It's going to be nightmare alley. Watch <laughs> us <laughs> hey, all three. Hey, that'd be dope. That'd yeah. be really you know, cool. I, I will salute that. Uh, all right, let's go now to kind of the, the last of our real technical categories before we get to things like editing and cinematography. Let's start with sound. Then we'll go to visual effects Sound, I'm going to also say Dune picks it up, especially I think, you know, not that, you know, score has its own category, but I think that the sound editing and sound mixing in that, in that film, and this is the first year where these two categories are truly merged together, just play so well in creating the world that we're experiencing. So, so yeah, I'm going to give Dune another technical award here. Yeah. I I also am going with Dune here. Uh, This, the sound of the machines, the fucking whatever the sand and the wah, wind wah, wah, everything wah, man. Wah, that yeah uh sound goes to dune so this is where i'm bummed that a few years ago that they uh edited like mixed together sound editing and sound mixing and they're no longer two separate mm-hmm. awards that this is now just one best sound in a motion picture because you're right. Dune has the best like physical sounds. The the sounds of this world, this world building. I think I know where you're going with this. Is is insane. Is absolutely insane. But when I was in the theater, the sound mixing of No Time to Die was absolutely incredible to to the point where 
I can't remember the last time I did this. It was when they were in the bar and he's meeting on the Armistice character for the first time. I literally looked behind me because I thought people were talking behind me. But it's the conversation from the surround sound. Mm. And I was like, whoa, this is super, super captivating. However, with a mixed award with just best sound and emotion picture, of course, I'm going to vote for Dune. <laughs> I just nice. wanted to talk about, I just wanted to stay on record that if on the outskirts that No Time to Die wins, that I had like my little thumbprint on that one. Well, and No Time to Die is represented in our next category too of visual effects. I, I got to give us some props, honestly, here. Yeah. Uh, because when, when we did our review of that, I think we kind of called it, this is an Oscar caliber film and it's going to pick up some awards. And here we are talking about it with three nominations, you know, original song, sound and visual effects unfortunately it came out the year as dune and right. dune's getting my vote here as well have you seen free guy <laughs> no it's dune come on come on the body suit they used on ryan right no i'm kidding yeah no it's dune that no that that and that was the point of my thing about production design what dune didn't do physically they mastered in cgi i saw the behind the scenes of the helicopter scene of of where uh, Atreides is in it, and they like see the the sand thing, and they see the worm coming for it, and they're circling it, and how what was real and what wasn't in that CGI. Room. And I'm like, what the hell? Like how the how? And it, it's still it's amazing. So yeah, Dune's taking this one. If you're if you're itching to get a Dune rewatch, and HBO Max just put it back up, so mm-hmm. fire that back up if you're a subscriber to that streaming service. Okay, the two big technical awards now. Let's do them. Uh, film editing. This, I, I believe this is where we're going to start to differ a little bit. I think I, I think Dune's grabbing this one too, though. Um, you know, it's not overpowering the editing in that film, whereas it is a bit more in your face with some of these other films. King Richard, I think, is some of the best sports action shot in a long, long time. Um, you know, Don't Look Up is a bit of a head scratcher here. The fact that it got nominated um, but, but yeah, when I look at the landscape of this category, I think the Dune kind of stands head and shoulders above the rest. So in, in the past, if you look at whoever wins film editing, usually always wins best picture, pretty high correlation. Right. Um, so I, I, and I don't know where Alex is going with his best picture, but right now you're saying it's Dune. I think this year will be different where. It's going to be different. Uh, the, the winner for film edi- editing is going to be – it's going to be a different film from from Best Picture. Um, and Tick, Tick, Boom gets my vote here um, for uh, for film editing. I just think I just think the the way they do the music scenes, some of those music scenes and, and cutting back and forth and, and, and the frenetic uh, – uh, Energy. style and yeah. energy of it yeah I, I i just i found that really captivating yeah if like if you if you have to boil everything down to a category to me it's tick tick boom the editing in this alone like i i love that it is nominated for as much as it is which is surprising it's also not even nominated for best picture but the amount that it is nominated and represented to me this is like where it shined through on the technical side and, and even though you have Power of the Dog and Dune in there, which are like supposed to be the, the powerhouses in this, it like to me, like Tick Tick Boom, th- the way it is edited and flows together is it, it helps the story way more than any of the other styles do. So for I, me, I will say if, if Power of the Dog picks this up, 
I think we're heading for a power of the dog night. I do too, but none of us are going that direction. No. Okay, so now let's go to cinematography. Um, this is a really tough category. It mirrors production design, which I think is really cool this year. The same five films are nominated in those two categories. Much like production design, I think I think Dune's picking this one up. I could see all five of these potentially winning, though. I think this is one of our more stacked categories this year. But I've been on record as saying I think it's going to be a big Dune night, and this will be one that we get to see happen live on air. So I'm really excited uh, for it. That's my vote. Where are you guys going? I am also going with Dune here. Uh, I just think the the scale there and 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 the the look of it uh, is just. Yeah, I think the Mount Rushmore of cinematographers alive for me right now is is Deacons, Fister, Hoytema, and Frazier. Yeah. I mean, Greg Frazier is just knocking it out of the park. Whether the the movies that he's shooting are good or bad, his shots are absolutely insane. And what he did with Dune with CGI and real, I mean, come on. Dune, Dune's gonna have a good night at the Oscars, so I'm going Dune as well. Cool. All right, clean sweep on that one. You know, last year we all got this one wrong, and Mank surprised us. So we'll see what happens this year. Justice for Mank. All right, uh, let's go to best. We'll, we'll start to get to uh, some of our bigger awards now. Best animated feature film. This is where I think Flea's gonna have its moment, guys. I think that this is gonna surprise some people, uh, upset the Disney heads, Encanto, Luca, Ryan the Last Dragon. I, I know. Mitchell and the uh, Machines is also there too. I believe that's DreamWorks. I but... think that's number two right now in like the odds. Like, is it really? Supposed to be like it, it's winning a bunch of awards. Mitchell versus the Machines. You that's what I'm yeah, referring yeah. to. Yes, I'm going to go with Flea though. Here, I think we get our our Flea moment. I have a second Flea moment happening here. I think they get the animated feature film and the documentary feature. You heard it that'd here be first. Pretty, that'd be pretty special. Yeah, and then I'm going. I'm I'm going with Encanto. I think it, it it's it's breaking too many records outside of the awards ceremony as well as getting recognition within the awards ceremony. Lin Manuel Miranda behind the creativity behind it, the representation, the representation, the representation, uh, and then also it's a Disney movie about you know a normal person. So yeah, yeah. And, I think yeah. He's, he's growing mouse ears. <laughs> Granny's no, at him. Wait. he's got mouse ears he's on. At him. <laughs> All right, so we'll pivot from animated feature now over to international feature film. Um, I, you know, Flea's represented here as well. Uh, La, La Luna, A Yak in the Classroom. I've only seen the trailer for that film, but it looks pretty inspiring. The Worst Person in the World's uh, represented here. One of my, I think I had that in my top 10 of 2021, a phenomenal film that I'm going to talk about here more in a second. But this is Drive My Car's category to lose. That, so that's what I have. I also have Drive My Car. Flea, Flea gets close there to, to do the hat trick, but uh, no, I think Drive My Car uh, uh, takes this. It's a clean sweep, yeah. Drive My Car. Cool. All right, so let's go to screenplay now. Writing adapted screenplay. Uh, you know, in this, I'll be, I'll be showing my hand a little bit um, based off what I think is going to happen in some of these bigger categories still yet to come. I think that this and one other spot is really where Power of the Dog is going to have its moment um, and so I think that the Oscars, the Oscar feels it's got to recognize that movie in some form. I believe this is going to be one of those. So writing adapted screenplay, put me down for pa- the power of the dog. I, I have Dune here and only because Dune has been attempted 
multiple times, and this is the first time it's really succeeded. Uh, that it, you know that book always was the the book you can't film, um, and so I, I I think Dune Dune steals this one from Power of the Dog. And I am going off of the WGA awards, and I'm throwing my vote for Coda. Wow! Yeah. So our first category, where all three of us have a, what, yeah, a different, different choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Uh, okay, so let's go to original screenplay now. A tough category this year, man. A real tough category. I want to see Paul Thomas Anderson get an Oscar. I don't want to see Paul Thomas Anderson get an Oscar for Licorice Pizza, though. Um, you know, and then I look at what what is probably second in the voters' minds, and I think that that's probably Belfast then. I really don't want to see that film win either. You know, we just talked earlier in this episode about how it's basically just a carbon copy of Roma. So this is where I think the Academy is going to recognize the worst person in the world. I'm, I'm going out there on a limb. Shout out Norway. Shout out my people in Oslo. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really love this film. And and I think that it, it doesn't really stand too good of a chance against Drive My Car. It's too bad. But I, I think it stands. It, it's the dark horse of this category. So that's why I'm picking it. This is, I think, the furthest out on the limb I go in all my votes. Uh, I am going with Don't Look Up. And that's Whoa, because it just Maxie. won... It won uh, original screenplay at some awards show this past weekend, uh, and mm. it was uh, it was a big thing on film Twitter. Uh, and I think "Don't Look Up" is going to shock a lot of people here, and this could this could break me or bring me the gold. And I have the same thought process as Alex of like <laughs> I don't want to vote for what I think is going to win because one I don't want it to win and two if it does I don't want to say that I was like yeah I thought it would so I actually am uh, going for King Richard I think uh I I I think King Richard will get some recognition I think it, it is nominated in a lot of other categories where it will get overlooked um which we will get to uh, later and also what we've already touched on I think I think this is especially after uh comments that have been made that this film maybe is getting a little bit more recognition come the Very interesting. So. We're all going to look stupid when Licorice Pizza wins. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. But, I, and but I, here we go. I, I will be okay with that. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. That's an L I'll take uh, good, good way to put it. Okay. Let's do directing now before we get to our acting categories. And then of course, best picture, you know, this is, I think going to be the biggest award that the power of the dog takes home. And Jane Campion's going to walk away two consecutive years of, of a, um, of a woman winning best director. You love to see it. Shouldn't be as big a deal as it is, but, but this is the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, Jane Campy, it's, it's going to be her, her award to lose. Uh, so I also have power of the dog. Damn it. I what? don't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to see what happens here. I'm going to stick to my guns. I think her comments hurt her. A lot mm. at the uh, the Baftas. what was it Baftas? Um, I'm going with Spielberg. I th- I think Spielberg is going to win for West Side Story. Mm. Interesting. You you may be right. You may be right. That that was a yeah. uncomfortable moment to say the least. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Serena Venus, stand by e- you. Even ev- even even though what the both Williams sisters and everything that has been said afterwards, even though it has all been like come full circle and come back around. Like to me, I'm just like, there's yeah, no bad taste in your mouth. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's get to our supporting actor and actress. Uh, we'll start here with 
Let's do let's do one that we feel a little bit more comfortable in. I mean, maybe we feel comfortable in both of these. We'll start with actress in a supporting role. This is one of the biggest no brainers for me. Ariana Debose. Talk about an award that someone's to lose. It's definitely her for West Side Story. You know, a few other people in here. Judy Dench, kind of a lifetime achievement nomination. I feel like Jesse Buckley really appreciated and liked her performance in The Lost Daughter. A few other people here that I was happy to see get nominated, like Dunstan and Ellis. But but this is Debose's award yeah i have to bows as well here as do i i really i really hope jesse buffley wins but it's our gonna boast did such a great job that she's good yeah for it's sure her, it's hers all right now actor in a supporting role the train the train's finally coming to an end here alex you're gonna pick jk simmons aren't we're, you <laughs> yeah right we are uh now we're pulling in to the dolby theater troy Cotzard's driving the fucking engine and and uh, I can't wait to see it. I, this is the CODA nomination that I feel the most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that if nothing else happens, this moment happens. So so my vote's for Troy. I'm so happy. I've been keeping an eye on the race between he and Cody Smith McPhee for about two months now. And to see how he's narrowed the gap and now overcome him as the favorite based off all these other uh, wins that he's been picking up at different guilds and award ceremonies. It's just incredible. So if it doesn't happen, at least we've got to go on this ride. You know, we'll get to it here when we talk about best pitcher, but I, I kind of feel like this is, you know, whether you're a baseball guy, a football guy, a basketball guy, that like week before opening before the opening game. And you're just like, man, every, every team's got a chance. My team could win the Super Bowl. My team could win the world series. That's how I feel right now where I'm just like, you know what? All that's happened has happened. We're just waiting now. And, and so, yeah, I, I really hope this happens for Troy. Cody Smith. You'll, you'll be back. It's Troy Cutzer for me. Yeah. And like coming from someone that like, doesn't get that feeling from his sports teams doing well, <laughs> where I don't, I don't get, I, you know, I've never had that feeling like, you know, the Oscars are that for me. And they, so the people that I like, I hold weight on, like, I get really excited for it. And like, no, it is Troy Kotzer. It is to me, it has always been him ever since I saw that movie. It is, it's, it's him. It's gotta be him. And if it's not, I'm going to be really Did pissed. Did you know that Troy Kotzer was in The Mandalorian? No. He's a Tuscan Raider. Is he really? In the Mandalorian, yeah. Is he one of the ones doing the signs? Se- or? Uh, season two? Yeah, I think so. Oh, if that didn't awesome. cement your vote. Come on. <laughs> Troy, my man. Yeah, no. So, yeah, it, it's Troy Kotzer. And when he wins... I because of it because I am so happy about this film and him like I will shed a tear like I'm going to be so happy for him and, and typically this is the word that the Oscars open up with mm. so this would be a really good way to start it so a lot good. of a lot of good momentum so for Coda yep. if this happens all right let's go to uh, our lead acting categories here we'll start with actor just because I feel like this is probably a bit more sealed up I'm going Will Smith it's it's been his to lose all along and he hasn't done anything wrong he said everything right his acceptance speech at the SAGs was awesome I hope to get something similar like it at the awards it'll just be an awesome moment you know uh, there's a few other people who are very deserving in this category there's a few people who kind of snuck in and who are dark horses so I'm happy for all the nominees as I'm sure Will is but he's got to be like come on this is mine yeah, as much as I want to put down Denzel here, um, because I just think Denzel is amazing in, the, in the, Tragedy of the The case that you've made for him in that film is very compelling. Uh, but it, it is Will, Will Smith's award uh, this year. And, you know, Will Smith has been a, a movie star for a very long time. 
let's let's get him an award. Yeah, no, it, it'd be great if he won, but he won't because it's Andrew Garfield. Oh. I love it. I love it. I'm going. I'm going. Andrew Garfield and take take boom. Uh, the Jonathan Larson story, like the the King Richard story, is 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 phenomenal. It is it is ins- insanely captivating. The Jonathan Larson story is set stone. It's done. That's what it is. And what Andrew did is fucking incredible. And I know it's a dark horse, and I know it's an underground pick. But like the, to me, like that is like out of these out of these picks. That is the performance that grounded me the most. Grand, that if that happens, up. I hope you jump up on the couch and like just start. Oh, I'll screaming. go full. I'll full go Tom full Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Absolutely, unlimited power. Just yeah. <laughs> no, um, no. But that's not the thing about this. Like you know, whole category. It's whoever wins. It's I mean, besides Javier, and yeah, Benedict. Yeah. But the other three be great. But no, uh, I mean, I got. I, I got I have to have at least one wild card pick and it's mm. gonna he's 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 mine. So what, I'm going into a better way. Yeah, your on screen avatar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so perhaps the most exciting best actress race that we've had in a long time. I cannot remember a year in which the field was this wide open where, you know, at all these different award ceremonies new people are getting nominated new people are winning there's been zero consistency mm. since the new mm-hmm. year started in the globes basically so this is going to be really exciting to see what happens here at times it's been kristen stewart's award to lose at times it's been nicole kidman's to lose somehow you know olivia coleman is always to be taken serious especially right now she's on quite the hot streak Right now, I feel like Chastain's in the driver's seat, and I love Jessica Chastain as an actress. I don't know if this is the most deserving role of hers, but she's certainly campaigned her ass off here. She's transformed. She's done everything that you you know the Oscar voters want to see. Ah, she gives great acceptance speeches. She gives great. She's a great public speaker in general. She, for being somewhat young, she's got a great filmography that I think they want to award. So I'm going with Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye, a movie that is not as good as Spencer, not as good as the lost daughter, not as good as parallel mothers. So yet to see being the Ricardo's kind of boycotting it, but, <laughs> but I think it's Chastain, man. Yeah. I, I also have Chastain down here. I, I think it, it's too bad. Cause I think Kristen Stewart really deserves Probably the award, Same. but I, think, I watched Spencer again last night. Fucking amazing! I think Chastain's is is she's just on a hot streak, and and as you said, she it's kind of like not a long time coming, but like she has a great filmography, and and she's she's probably been uh, locked out of a couple award uh, shows that that she shouldn't have been. Even though Eyes of Tammy Faye is not her best movie by a long shot. Yeah, no, uh, Chastain is slowly climbing the ranks of one of my favorite actresses and, and is getting up there. And in the eyes of Tammy Faye, definitely uh, what the, was a big part of that. Um, as I think we're all going to just, if Stuart wins, we'd all gladly take the L for, for this sure. one. For sure. But it's, it, it's Chastain. It's her award to lose. Uh, she did something in the eyes of Tammy Faye that is just absolutely incredible. And as did Garfield, I, how he didn't get nominated for best supporting 
which makes me think that maybe he has a better chance to win best. All right, all right. You I'm, got your I'm working it. I'm working it. But <laughs> no, but uh, my my vote is for uh, for Chastain. So yeah, it, it's a clean sweep on her. Very interesting. And and yeah, I mean, I think we're all picking with our head over our our heart here. Like, yeah, I, I want to see Stewart get this, but we shall see. All right, I just double checked. We haven't forgotten anything. Let's do best picture. Oh man! Just to refresh everyone's memory, the ten nominees this year are West Side Story, Nightmare Alley, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Drive My Car, Don't Look Up, Belfast, Dune, The Power of the Dog, and of course Coda. I kind of tried to name those off in order of of likelihood. I, I think here, you know, shout out to movies like Nightmare Alley for being nominated. That's Hell fucking yeah. awesome. Drive My Car, Dune, even Don't Look Up for a sat for for a satire to to be nominated. Pretty cool. Um, and you know, the writing is sort of on the wall with that film editing nomination, like you talked about earlier, Max. Um, but but I sat on this one for a long time today, and this is one where. I'm going with my heart over my head. And if I'm wrong, I'm okay with that in the direction that I'm leaning. Because if I was wrong in the other direction, I, I just couldn't stand myself. I, I, I want to be part of this moment if it happens and, and feel victorious with the cast of Coda, with the filmmakers behind Coda. So, you know, as much as I want to go with the power of the dog, because I just, I still can't quite convince myself that this is actually going to happen. I'm going to do it anyways. Um, and, and you know, if when the power of the dog wins, will I be surprised? Not one bit. But if Coda wins and I'm sitting here with a red check mark next to the power of the dog, I'll never be able to forgive myself. So <laughs> so I'm going Coda. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting how these 10 films, I think West Side Story and Nightmare Alley are probably the two best out of the 10. But we are we are on the Coda wave uh, and I will be there with you, Alex, in that moment when that happens because Coda is going to win Best Picture, and that's my pick. Guys, I mean, like, how can you leave me by the wayside? Of course I'm going to be standing there Come right with there us. with you. Come with us. No, I of course I'm going to be there. Tick, tick, boom. No, I mean, <laughs> you it's just not even nominated. Yeah, we're going to write it in. Maybe enough write-ins. No, God. No, uh, I mean... Of course, it's a it's a toss up between that and the power of the dog. And everyone I talk to about the power of the dog, they've seen it, and they go, "How is that nominated for best picture?" And then when I mention Coda, they say, "What?" And they say, "Go watch that movie." They come back and they say, "Wow, that was a good flick." Like Coda is just it's it's doing something that a movie like this hasn't done in a long time to where you're going to be in the conversation of nightmare alley, licorice pizza, King Richard, West side story, Spielberg, Denny Villeneuve. And dude, you're going to be in this conversation and you're going to clean up at all these award shows and then waltz into the Oscars and just be like, we'll see what happens. No, you know, there was a great photo of Spielberg behind the scenes at the Producers Guild Award the other night. He went up and wanted to, like, introduce himself and meet the cast and the crew of CODA so much. And I'm just like, that that alone this right is, there. What a is, moment. Um, a movie like CODA is the reason why people like Spielberg and Denny Villeneuve and all these directors, Jane Campion, all these people. It's uh, the type of movie that made people want to start making movies. This movie is going to inspire so many people, deaf, non-deaf, 
filmmakers, non-filmmakers. This is going to motivate so many people. Coda, it, Coda winning Best Picture is going to mean so much to the world than any of these other films, even though all of these films are so good and hold so much weight. But Coda is just going to do something great. And I can't wait to just say that I could somehow be a part of it by just being a fan and just being like, hey, I told you so at the end of it all. So, yeah, my vote's for Coda. I think you just touched on something. We can wrap it up on this, too. We have no more awards to get to. The fan vote will be fun to keep track of, of course. Um, but but I think you're absolutely right because I haven't met that one person who's been able to really like sit me down and say, no, look, here's why The Power of the Dog is so great. I, I, ha- I haven't had that happen. Power of the Dog is the type of movie where you watch it and you're like, wow. What a what a film! What a what a what a what a you know a feat! No, Coda, Coda is is something where you're gonna tell someone to go watch it. You know, right. like yeah. I don't rec- I don't I don't recommend Power of the Dog. I recommend Coda. Great way to Power of the Dog has the names behind it. That's all it is. Yeah, fair. All right, so there we have it: our official submissions and our final four films for the conclusion of our bracket extravaganza. We will take these ballots, we'll fold them up, we'll put them in some envelopes, and they will not be cracked again until Sunday evening. We hope that if you're going to be watching the show, that you jump on Twitch, you jump on Instagram, try to spend some of the time with us. We're going to do it up right. Last year we had a ton of fun. Once again, this year we're going to try to do it bigger and better. So any last words, any any snacks, any drinks you guys want to recommend to the people to have? I think we're going to try to do, uh, you know, got a little group chat going, kind of some movie-themed uh, mm. sides and, and main dishes here. We're going to do the tragedy of mac and cheese. Yes. Um, nice. and, all, and I think we'll, nice. we'll have some make-your-own-personal-pizza so we can do the worst pizza in the world. <laughs> um, those are the two that came to my mind, some, at least. Some Southwest side story bean dip. Oh, oh wow, Grant! Well done. Some, Came up with uh, that. One. This is why we keep you around. That was great. <laughs> Some donut holes. Okay, fair. Okay. fair. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are great recommendations. No, those bad. Yeah, this is the biggest yeah. night in Hollywood. It's it's the it's the night and the weekend that we look forward to all year. So it's our Super fun. Bowl. It's our Super Bowl. It is, man. Live it up with us. It's it's going to be fun. If you're headed out to the theaters in the next couple of days to catch up on any of these films or anything else that you might want to see, please travel safe, social distance, and be kind to those in your life. Keep in mind that we are living in a world where a lot of people are experiencing hardships. And until next time, we will see you on Oscar night. Present all 23, you cowards. And as always, drink movies and watch beer.